The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your game master's permission before listening. I hate office parties. Come on, man, it's Thanksgiving. At least enjoy a slice of the sweet Maylurin casserole. It's not the food I'm upset about. Oh, are those my favorite troopers? Ah, oh, crap. TK1123, TK2023, have you had the chance to try my Sith layer dip? No, sir. Right away, sir. TK1123 at ease, it's a party. Why the sad face? Ooh, can do egg salad? I better see you boys on the dance floor later. I can't believe I'm missing the Dark Times podcast for this. Hello and welcome to the Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite bartending droid. And I'm Steven, your favorite overworked stormtrooper. Aren't they all? Aren't they all? You know, those boys are pulling triple duty to defend the Empire, man. <laughs> and look what good it does them. No free time, nothing. Like, <laughs> you could have one poster in your stormtrooper room. What poster would it be? It could either, oh, it's, Twi'lek it's, pinup, uh, easy. <laughs> Twi'lek pinup! That's really good. Come on. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty fucking good. It's like the it's like the choice parlance for like 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 in universe posters. Every fucking like dingy wall has one. In e- I'd have the I'd have the the Weibo Max twenty one one oh one twelve uh poster. Oh, that's, a really, <laughs> that's a really, really good one. Thank you. Thank you. Oh man, wow, we came out the gate with the best jokes of the episode. Yeah, <laughs> fucking seriously. I feel like the pressure's on for the rest of the episode. Like we can't be funnier than the no, we can't no, no, possibly. No. We gotta get the laughs out of the this. way now. Uh Steven, we have some feedback from last week in, in sound form. In oh, sonic shit. form. Really? Yeah. Like us, just form. like us. Just like us. They've communicated in a way we finally can understand. <laughs> Wave files. Yeah. M dot M4A. Oh, hey, that's well, that's that's still a wave, but do you want to play it at the same time as me, and then we'll yeah, yeah, just so that we have that little, it. we can listen to it together and react. Yeah, so we can have, yeah, we react. Yeah, we love the, the audience loves reacts, right? React content. Hi, Sam and Steven. This is Xavier. Wanted to uh, reach out to you guys again. Um, listen to your most recent episode where you covered uh, the auction module. And it's funny, that was a real blast from the past for me. Um, I don't know how, but years and years ago, I stumbled across this module when I was just getting into Star Wars. And uh, it was the first module I tried to run in the Saga Edition game. It was also uh, a module that went entirely off the rails. You gave the uh, overview of at least the first half, and when I ran it for my party in high school, it did not go anywhere close to as planned. Um, We made it to about the point where the Sith wants to uh, take a look at the ship prior to bidding on it, and my party decided to partner uh, with the Sith on that venture. And then once they had gotten a look at the ship, they ended up sneaking in later that night, rolled really well on some stealth checks, and essentially were able to steal the ship right out from under the nose of security. I will blame part of this on myself, uh, being a new dungeon master for that game. I uh, was definitely learning how to run the game, and so I probably didn't call my players on some things as I could and should have. But that said, uh, the module ended right then and there. They stole the ship, and uh, the assassination attempts and a lot of the uh, intrigue with the other factions uh, ultimately never got to play out in my playthrough of this. Um, I really appreciate you covering this module. It was, uh, again, very nostalgic for me. Um, I had totally forgotten about this module, totally forgot that I ran it. I found it on some form, again, years and years ago, and I'm surprised that it's still uh, floating around out there. I also wanted to give you all an update on the one shot that I ran last week. Um, so this was my first return to Star Wars Saga Edition and uh, an introduction for my 5e uh, players, as well as an introduction for my wife who has never played RPGs at all, ever, and has been hesitant to get into the hobby. In summary, it was a massive success. We started by uh, uh, running the uh, Star Wars uh, title crawl music as I read the, uh, the opening crawl notes for the campaign. Uh, We then went right into a skill challenge with the party trying to navigate an asteroid field. I threw in a ship dogfight there. They uh, ended up having a shootout on the uh, landing platform. 
I had an opportunity to kill some troopers, uh, and then it all ended up with a lightsaber fight, as I feel all good Star Wars Saga Edition one-shots should. Debrief with my party afterwards, and my wife uh, very much enjoyed it and says she's too early to be hooked yet, but that she would definitely play again. And everyone else that uh, played, all 5e players, um, they had a great time, and they said that they would uh, come back. So we'll be doing a part two to that one shot uh, sometime in the new year, and I'll definitely share updates on that. And depending on how that goes, who knows, may have the makings of a campaign. Uh, Thank you all for all that you do. Appreciate the content. Appreciate what you guys do to help keep this game alive and keep entertaining material out there pertaining to Saga Edition. And I look forward to hearing more from you. Bye now. Xavier, that was an awesome like thing to send in. Thank you so much. Um, First off. I've got some, there's some more that he didn't include in the, in the audio. The only negative feedback his group had was a couple of the experienced 5e players thought that Saga Edition was a bit roleplay light, probably due to the fact that he was trying to share the mechanics of the game and so it was more encounter focused, but he'd like our thoughts. It seems to me Swissy is a very tactical and mechanical in its implementation. There certainly is opportunity for roleplay, but the core mechanics of the game to me seem to be more about facilitating the encounters in a mechanical sense. Regardless, I feel like you can always have RP interludes and negotiations. For part two, I plan to be channeling the power of the prequels and using nobles in negotiations more heavily. Oh, sure. Let, let's address that little bit first, and then we'll circle back to the, the recording. How about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a, an astute observation about Swissy. Uh, we, we so easily forget Swissy was made and marketed beside a miniatures like skirmish game. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's easy, easy to forget, but is true. I think the problem with not include like the problem with it being so chunky mechanics wise mm-hmm. is that other if it wasn't people wouldn't be like there's no game here they'd be like no there's no game here i'm not paying 60 dollars for a book with no game in it a exactly. book that tells me how to role play what the fuck <laughs> that, that you're right and you know that kind of comes i'm i'm reminded of of rodney's words that reverberate so so loudly through the past that you know that swissy is a is a product of its time it was made for the RPG market at its time. I, I think the group of people that Swissy was marketed towards were excited about like tight tactical combat and already, you know, understood that role playing in a Star Wars game has a relatively narrow vision. I, I think like when we talk about things to do in a Star Wars story, like there is a, a, a wide, but you know, boundaried band of, of possibilities. I got them right here, Steven. It's shoot, loot, and scoot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no looting, remember? Well, okay. Well, looting huts, you know, oh, yeah. gem yeah. vaults and stuff like that. The cool of looting. Course. Yeah. And, and yeah, Swissy does not facilitate role play as, as gregariously as, as maybe 5e might. But that's where you come in. That That's the players. Yeah. That, game that's, master? that's the players. And that's no, the game, game master. master also. <laughs> yes. I, I was getting there. <laughs> And that's the game master also to create, you know, vacuums of of tight tactical combat encounters where where role playing can can kind of fill in. Like for example, Sam, our our current campaign Zero Distance is was designed from the ground up to be a very tight, very like not just encounter but like wargaming scenario focused campaign. But what what have I recently done? We did a tribunal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, there's a tribunal coming up. I, I've done one of our players had to make a charisma based pilot, <laughs> so now they got to use their words to solve every problem. <laughs> I dumped you on on Varn, a, a a world of my own creation and everything but name. If if you've heard of Varn prior, then man, you've you've touched some fringe Star Wars shit. But Varn is is kind of a really cool world where, without getting too much into it, role playing is the the primary weapon and the primary goal, and and you know the the combat field is an interwoven network of you know corporate boards and politics and because and it's mostly like, like a neutral world is the yeah, idea, which that's is correct. what makes it. You know, there's a lot of shady dealings. Oh, there's em- there's Imperials here, but we don't know why or what's their deal, stuff like that, and it, it's great. That was, thank you. And, and that's what I love about this leg of the campaign is that it's, you know, it's a bunch of combat focused pilots in a demilitarized neutral world. So the, the weapons they have to use are unconventional. But while it's still fresh in our minds, let's talk about what Xavier had to say about yeah. Saga Edition and the auction. First off, Xavier, I'm so, so glad that at least one person out there had actually played this before. 
it's so fitting that you stumbled across it on some random old form. That is exactly where like spirits and artifacts of this type <laughs> tend to collect holocrons containing yeah. past lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the, the sort of like cyber spelunking I've had to do to get certain things for this show. It's that's the exact kind of place you are meant to find things like this still living and, and kicking around. I, my instinct is to say, sorry, it, it didn't go well, but it sounded like it went exactly like it was meant to go. <laughs> <laughs> Your players willed it that way. Yeah. I don't think the ship is meant to actually be functional, like, f- functional and, and flown away. The, the adventure, at least to me, makes it pretty clear that it, it's been buried under silt for thousands of years. It has a big hull or sorry, a big hole in the hull. Uh, try that one for recording. Tell me how it sounds on your end. <laughs> it has a big hole in the top. Um, it, it's it's hooked up to like external auxiliary power. Definitely not meant to be picked up and flown away. But I think it's more like a, a tomb for the ancient treasures within. But shit, if your player's eyes lit up at the prospect of it yeah. flying away, then make that shit fly. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's fucking funny. Um, also, <laughs> which it, it's a shame that it didn't you know get to the meatier, more interesting, unique parts of the adventure. But it is pretty hilarious that your players wanted to do that, and and you just let them. I love it. I, I love hearing stories like that. And congratulations on a very successful one shot. It sounds like you had a challenging, but I would say typical audience to pitch Swissy to. Uh, and it sounds like you succeeded. Uh, repeat customers are the sign of a, of a session well ran. Uh, and it sounds like you did a great job. I wish I was there. I agree. I agree that, I mean, one of those things where trying to sell a, ch- a more chunkier, clunkier mechanical system to players who aren't used to that sort of thing. Yeah. A bunch of casual casuals. <laughs> That's not sorry. how we do things on this show, Steve. No, sorry, I You're don't more know professional that than that. I'm going to leave that coffin just to shame you. Just had to clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you so much again, Xavier, for sending in uh, another audio clip. Hopefully mm-hmm. to hear more in the future. All righty. Steven. Steven. Huh? What are we talking about this week? All pilots to your battle stations. Oh, the fucking klaxons going? Yeah, get, throw a klaxon in there. Throw two, Ooh. at least two types of klaxons in here. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Can you give me one as well? Let's hear a Steven klaxon. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I, I like the good old, like, uh, There we go. Award-winning radio, folks. <laughs> Throw that in the back. That's what your Patreon dollars go to. Yeah. High quality sound effects like those. <laughs> Let's circle back to Galaxy at War, Sam, which we listed as one of our top 12 Swissy supplement books. Number three will surprise you. <laughs> exactly. This book details conflict in many forms. And after all, it is Star Wars. Among expanded rank and privilege rules, the battlefield encounter toolkit, and a mission generator, not to mention oodles of special military hardware. That's just the beginning. You'll also find the Hardy Bases and Battle Stations section. And let's get it clear from the start, Sam. Battle Stations are dungeons in in terms of the functional role that they play in a Star Wars campaign versus a a more traditional high fantasy. My Star Wars campaigns only take place on Tatooine, and there's no dungeons on Tatooine, Stephen. Is that so? Is that so? There's no, there's no fortified structures. No, no holdouts. No sort of no strongholds uh, spearheaded by a clone turned Mandalorian and his, uh, and his pet rancor. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) You're telling me there's no heavily fortified Tuscan camps that there's no, Labyrinthines, Jawa, Super Sand Crawlers. No, that sounds I, cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah, buddy. You, you tell me they wouldn't weld like three sand crawlers together. <laughs> like, like six sand crawlers in the shape of a giant J. <laughs> There's, Jesus Christ, what? You don't like? <laughs> oh, for that. Jawa. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me on Tatooine, there's no interwoven, uh, intricate cave systems housing a great dragon lord and his dragon cult? That sounds cool as fuck, Steven. I don't know which yeah. Star Wars you've been reading, but it's not the one. <laughs> That's way too cool for Star Wars, buddy. Yeah. Keep it to the, to the tabletop game. 
Battle stations are not just the Death Star. Battle stations can be any place that is heavily fortified where the party doesn't belong is basically the gist of it. Anywhere the party isn't allowed but has to get something from inside, that's a battle station. And we'll go over, uh, I think, I'd say middle depth. on This will probably be a two-parter or to cover the, the battle stations section. In, in, honestly, folks, it was Sam's idea to cover battle stations probably more than a year ago. And I've... <laughs> I, I, that's so like wait 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 we have it pinned in our discord channel we, we have it me. pinned in our discord channel please <laughs> please let's find it? the official date oh man um <laughs> oh my god oh my god july, july 18th, 18th 2022, 2022. <laughs> wow okay so damn near a year that's, and a half that's fucking great that's so funny i i was scrolling down the pins and i like didn't see it until i got to the bottom and i was like oh no <laughs> But in truth, dear listeners, uh, my hesitation, uh, more like my, my lackadaisical attitude, not, not so much, not something as active as, as hesitation, more, more passive, like laziness, aversion. Um, aversion was that I didn't think battle stations were all that cool. I kind of thought it was another extraneous Swissy subsystem that just put a lot of numbers and crunch behind something that didn't necessarily need it. And then... I ran a battle station and it was probably one of my most fun encounters and probably in the top five encounters for my campaign so far. If I'm, if I'm speaking personally, it was fun to run. It was challenging for my players and it was memorable. And it also combined a lot of other theory about encounter design that, that we talk about on the show kind of all at once it, in and of itself, before I realized it, it kind of was this like succinct thesis on encounters in Swissy. And we're going to talk about all that and more uh, here in this episode and probably the next. Battle stations, like I said, are dungeons. They are a very thinly veiled proxy for dungeons at your Star Wars table. And the ways you can present and use them may surprise you. Like we just thought of, you know, a handful of fairly unorthodox examples. I will say that these rules, this toolkit, as it's described in the book, does lean itself heavily towards a place with metal floors and walls. You know, perhaps a space station or a hidden underwater base or even the interior of a capital ship. Or a long-forgotten droid factory. Exactly. All these and more are, are explicitly listed examples in the book. Speaking of the book, let's go ahead and read from it a little bit. No fucking way. <laughs> we do that on this show? Holy we shit. Do, we do. We don't, it's not, it's not so much of a sleepy, like, fireside story time as it is, like, a, you know, contextual analysis. But uh, here we go. This chapter is more than just a collection of rules and advice on designing bases and locations. It serves as a guide to creating a wide variety of adventuring settings. Although much of this chapter discusses rooms and locales inside battle stations, this information can also be applied to a wide variety of adventuring locations. The rules described in this chapter work just as well for creating an adventure where the heroes have to stage a raid on a high-rise industrial skyscraper as they do for an adventure where heroes need to take out a shield generator on a remote moon. When picking up material from this chapter for your own campaign, simply be mindful of the basic principles behind things like Battle Station CL and expected attack bonuses, skill DCs, and damage rolls. Those concepts can apply to many places, not just bases and battle stations, and can be useful in a wide variety of situations. This episode will go into pretty big detail about Battle Station CL and all the other little stuff it listed there, because those things are like the mechanical core of the toolkit. Those little group of concepts... Mastering them, understanding them is key to developing your flexibility to apply the lessons of the battle station toolkit, not just in battle stations, but in your campaign design as a whole. I mean, it sounds to me like this is the one shot in the box here. I, I think I think you just might be onto something there, Sam. So but but why make battle stations? Sam, what, what can be reaped from learning yet another subsystem in Swissy? After all, you know, if you're running a Swissy campaign, you probably already have had to learn like two to three extra subsystems on top of what the core rulebook already gives us. How are they distinct from a well-designed encounter with hazards and skill challenges? I was writing up a thing on this and then I saw the book had a better, way better handful of paragraphs on it. So we're just going to read those. Written by someone much more qualified. To do yes, so. yes. <laughs> Sam, this is going to be a bit of a hefty read, so if you have a interspersed with a thought or conjecture, feel free to just, just stop me and we can talk. Yeah. Battle stations make excellent adventuring locales. 
They provide a sense of mystery and suspense, always keeping the heroes wondering what's down the next hallway or behind the next door. That that's a dungeon. That if they're talking about dungeons. Don't what forget. The, where did the dragons come in? <laughs> <laughs> Stations present numerous opportunities for dangerous exploration, since they frequently contain automated defense systems and booby traps that can cause a lot of trouble for an adventuring party. Similarly, living and droid security units react forcefully to intruders, and with a creatively designed interior, such combat encounters can be cinematic and unique. Oh wait, when I wait a minute, I like that. Oh, is what you, I'm hearing. Magic word. I mean, <laughs> yeah, unique is the magic word. Of this oh, I, episode. Was thinking, I was thinking cinematic. <laughs> oh, cinematic. Absolutely. I mean, first thing I thought of was just hallway doors closing and opening, revealing different security or it's like, oh, it's like a big grid and we're working our way through it. It's that's great. I love the concept. Absolutely. Battle stations often present challenges to a party that can be solved only with quick thinking and resourceful problem solving. After all, it is far easier to lay down cover fire in a cantina than it is to do in a magnetically sealed room. Likewise, battle stations offer heroic opportunities to characters of all types. Certainly the more dangerous stations, crawling with stormtroopers and battle droids, give soldiers and Jedi plenty of enemies to shoot and slice their way through. No two battle stations are the same, but the adaptability of scouts and scoundrels means that even situations for which a party was not prepared can be overcome with a little improvisation. Nobles, whose interpersonal skills are unrivaled, can use their talents for acting and smooth talking to convince security that everything is under control. Almost How are you? Ev- <laughs> Everything's exactly. fine. How are you? Still probably one of my favorite scenes in, in any movie, like not just Star they Wars. Fucking, but in the first film, and that that's the spark right there, honestly. Easily. <laughs> Almost every character type has something to do on a battle station. I, I just love the qualifier there, almost. Like, what, what character build has nothing to do on a battle station? Like, uh, fucking third degree droid, no levels and noble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Non-heroic three. <laughs> You're letting your player play a non-heroic three bantha. <laughs> oh. That's right. That's right, Barry Bantha. <laughs> yeah. I guess who was the who was the guy who worked in acquisitions? Who was the who was the character build we had that was just like black market stuff? Was that Green Doug? Green Doug, yeah, he wouldn't do well here. He's no. really a no guy guy. <laughs> <laughs> now Thin Mungo, Thin Mungo would prosper in a battle station. I like I can't think about Thin Mungo like when I'm in public or I just start like <laughs> cry laughing. It's such a good name. Oh man. Remember when he did the Ahsoka trailer, but with Thin Mungo? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? What does it look like? (laughs) Just sitting there thinning his Mungo. You will be a Mungo, I promise. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Sorry. We're not funny. We're not funny anymore. Oh, man. I can't even see. I'm blurry. It's all blurry now. Adventures on battle stations bring an epic feel to campaigns, but more than that, they add variety to an already vast galaxy. With proper planning, these stations not only stand out in the minds of the players, but also keep the whole party involved in the highest form. The heroes can't slide through with only minimal or half-hearted effort, which means that battle stations make excellent additions to any campaign where the GM wants to turn up the intensity. So, bottom line, battle stations are inherently suspenseful. Battle stations offer a true opportunity for all party members to shine simultaneously. And battle stations are a memorable, epic challenge. It's very difficult to build an encounter or even an adventure where all these three things are true. And these rules, this toolkit, gives you a framework to organize your preparation and give you a shot at doing these three things. So we're going to take a deep-ish dive on battle station design. Like we always say, there's no substitute for reading the book. Not even listening to this podcast episode is a substitute for reading the book, dear God. Even listening to all 83 episodes of the Dark Times podcast is not a substitute for reading the book. Comes close, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe just the Rodney one, and then 
Uh, a few from the early years. The Scout one, too. <laughs> the Scout one. The level yeah. one one's pretty good. I do like the level one one still. That, that, really was, that, that was a good one. That one holds up. The last minute session prep episode, I would say, is a pretty good one yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. You'll be using that one a lot if you don't read the book. That's for sure. <laughs> Battle station design. Step numero uno. That's number one for the layman out there. Find or make a damn fine map. Let me take a... Sam, wheel out the soapbox for me. Okay. Oh, Steven, I took the wheels off the soapbox. So I need them for something else. So now I got to push it across the floor. I see. This is so bad for audio. <laughs> you, you think you think I, I asked for that thing often enough that you would have kept the wheels on? I needed them for my TV, uh, my TV tray. You oh, know, are you watching one? fucking Bill Nye? Yeah, we're for you know for when it's raining on the podcast. Oh, right. <laughs> what if we gotta we gotta need it? What if there's an episode where you don't want to do anything and I just roll out Bill Nye audio? <laughs> so fucking funny! Oh my god! Oh man! Here's your soapbox, you bastard. Thanks. Let me get up on there. I can't make a map. Uh, I... <laughs> wow! Just actually, just keep that. End the show right on that. <laughs> Yes, you, first yeah. of all, you're a fucking liar. I've seen you make maps. <laughs> no, that, that's the whole crux of my argument. Get ready. I can't make a good battle station map. And I've made some damn fine maps. Sam can attest to this. I have made some insanely cool battle maps. I made a map where a, a forced to regenerate hunk of flesh hung suspended from a ceiling in an iron dome. I and the party, about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Where where basically a gross fucking throbbing meatball was suspended in the middle of a giant orb on bis, and I got the perspective effects on the on the bottom of the sphere, right, and everything. That was it was really a dynamic encounter with shifting objectives that ended with, of course, the full like electrification of a like. Sorry, guys, I got to reset them really quick. Put it, put it in the Windows XP sound there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like this, the semi truck sized meat wad was electrocuted and fried. Like, and I, I got like blood stains on the bottom and everything. Look, I'm pretty good at maps. No, you can't see them. <laughs> what uh, what I can go out on the internet and get for like three or four dollars is exponentially better designed, more intricate, more detailed for a battle station than anything I could hope to cook up. Many of you have probably been making dungeons for like 30 years. I get that. Keep doing it. That ain't me. I ain't there yet. He's really a weave weaver. Uh <laughs> You're a story weaver. Uh, I'm a, dr- more than I'm a, a dream weaver. weaver. A dream <laughs> weaver. Oh. Plus, I, I also got lazy and making maps takes a lot of time for something you only use for a couple hours and spending the money on the community and ends up being worth it more for everyone. I think that's, that, that's just what I that's, came to realize. Well, that's I wish you led with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christopher West is a damn fine map maker who I'm sure many of you recognize as the official Swissy Maptician slash oh what's the cartographer cartographer (laughs) maptician isn't a thing but i love it (laughs) and you can visit his online store maps of mastery many of his maps make excellent battle stations including his like six poster map series called battle stations (laughs) (laughs) not to mention the whole world of free or paid maps on the likes of drive through rpg and also reddit is a great place to find map artists with Patreons who usually have a pay-as-you-go model where you can pick up a map or two for like a dollar or three a piece. Or map assets. Or map assets. Oh, uh, really quick, a little side here. Listener, come over here. Steven, cover yours. Oh, okay. You can take a big map and you can crop it and you can be like, oh, that's an, that's an encounter map right there. I don't need the full 200 by 100 squares. I only need about 40 of them. Sam, so- are you talking about my favorite trick in the book again? Without me, I we got a listener. We have to. You mean, you mean the one I you mean the one I pi- cropping, which I pioneered in the hex crawl episode of the Dark Times podcast. They do call it Steve cropping for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. Go check your GIMP software right now. You think it's the crop tool? No, hover over it. Check the tooltip. It says Steve cropping. <laughs> Steve cropping. No, that tool only crops out all the Steves in my photo, actually. Ah! Oh, man. Uh, I didn't think we'd be able to follow up those jokes in the first 10 minutes of this episode, but I think we're on pretty good pace so far. <laughs> and if you're a seasoned Dungeoneer, if you think you're better than me, then making a battle station <laughs> is a breeze. And the toolkit provides a plethora of example rooms to fill it in. Time to go big. They've got examples for airlocks, command centers, offices, laboratories, a whole section called mundane rooms. Toilets? Um, oh, sorry. Refreshers? Yeah, there's refreshers. There were, and, and many of these rooms listed in the toolkit have like unique mechanical aspects to them that you can use to your advantage or disadvantage. I rolled a flush. You wouldn't, I would never make a player roll to do something as simple as pressing a lever. But what if it's one of those fancy like Huddy's toilets? Oh, dude, man. <laughs> that reminds me of the toilets in Japan. Like those things would look fucking crazy, by the way, like a dais with fucking buttons on end. Like a dais with like a center. shallow bathtub. Like. Yeah. Uh, toilets in Japan. Toilets in Japan are like they're a battle station all on their own. <laughs> truly. Many of them have like the basal complexity of like a PSP. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a sentence. <laughs> Oh, man. Was there a... <laughs> just wanted to pull that fucking word salad out? Oh, many of them have many features. I mean, you, you can... Everyone already knows the stereotype. But yeah, you can, like, you just take... Not not only can I not read most written Japanese, which which makes it difficult, but many of them had, like, music features, uh, water... Uh, um, obviously, virtually all of them are equipped with a... Um, a uh, what, bidet. What a bidet. And many of them, you can adjust the position of the debate. Debate. <laughs> many of them, Michael Debate, can, my least favorite you, director. Many of them, you can adjust the position of the day. Please, one more, one more. Many of them, getting the giggles. Many of them, you can adjust the position of the. Steven, please. We have to move on. We okay, have okay. to. You can adjust the position or intensity or temperature of the of the bidet. There's also like sounds to cover your your modesty, I guess. But or sometimes multiple sounds like rain or birds or both. Chimpanzee like, howling. I, one of them had like a yeah. <laughs> Fire scares the poops out of you. Yeah, yeah it, it gives chimpanzee shrieking at random intervals to get you to shit better. Um. What's the podcast about again? Um, You're talking about mundane rooms and battle stations. So yeah, if you, if you want to approach this from, you know, do, do DIY battle stations, you've got plenty to work with from the get go. It, it truly is a toolkit. I got my um, fucking work cut out for me for editing you really this episode. Do. Like, you got some clips too to share. I'm sure. Oh, I, I feel, I'm like coming down from like hysteria. That is what this podcast is like. It's, the core of the battle station is the battle station challenge level. This is the mathematical center of your encounter design Tootsie Roll Pop. I was wondering when we get to the math part of the podcast. <laughs> Don't worry. There's plenty to, to, to have. <laughs> this battle station challenge level is a number. In case you couldn't have guessed that on your own. This number should be equal to your party's average level or perhaps no more than two greater for a real challenge. Uh, Sam, we're going to do a brief interview with you about the battle station. You just ran a couple of weeks ago, just in, in prep for that. Keep in mind that was a battle station, one level above the party. That was a CL uh, 11 I, battle. I station. refuse to answer any questions without my lawyer present. Okay. Well, we'll get him <laughs> on the line and then we'll, we'll, we'll get there. The CL you choose determines a hell of a lot about the battle station. First off, based on your choice, you get a full set of skill DCs from easy to heroic perfectly scaled for your encounters challenge level and for you to plan around or use on the fly. Many of the station hazards and types of encounters that you can have in a station say like, Oh, this is a medium DC. Like, like picking a lock. It'll say like, Oh, medium DC for this, or this deals or, or, you know, hacking the database is a legendary DC. It just says that on the type of, of skill challenge. It's up to you to refer 
back to your table to get that DC. And it's also useful when the players think of something that you didn't, because we both know that they will. And you need to decide quickly exactly what DC they need to roll, particularly as they're rolling it, which is, you know, I've done more than once. Just as a brief example, for a battle station with a CL of 6 or 7, the easy DC is 17, the medium is 22, the moderate is 27, hard 30, and 35 is the heroic DC. Wow. Those are some high DCs. They sure are. Heroic is basically not happening. Like, keep that in mind. Not 20 it. Yeah. Heroic level stuff is like convincing Palpatine you're one of his like secret like emperors. You're his best friend, TK. (laughs) One, one, two, three. (laughs) Right, right. So not only do you get a full set of skill DCs for your trouble, you also get a guideline for how many enemies and how strong they should be. This makes sense, right? It's a challenge level after all. When choosing enemies and hazards to fill your battle station, triple the battle station CL. Can can we do that, Sam? Can you can you multiply a, a single digit or two digit number by three? Yes. Okay. We're just what gonna, am I on trial here? Jesus. We're just going to run with that. <laughs> the sum of all enemies and hazard CLs should equal that number. Make sense? Yes. Cool. Also, follow the normal guidelines when considering enemy CL and encounter design plus or minus three-ish, the party's CL, have interesting terrain, a mix of combatant types, that's both ranged and melee, and mix in some hazards as well as, uh, you know, normal humanoid enemies. Station hazards are also a special category of hazards available to you that generally deal a fixed amount of damage based on the station CL. This is cool because it makes encounter design ultra-mega-easy. What's the damage and attack roll of the automated turrets on the ceiling? What's the attack and damage of the electrocution traps on the floor? It's determined by your CL, baby. A hazard on average, reading from the book, should deal damage that is equal to 10 plus one half the battle station CL. For example, each hazard on a CL8 battle station should deal an average of 14 points of damage. And the book provides a table as to how you construct die attacks to get a average. Many of you can do that in your head, but in case you can't, this section of the book guides you through that. Hazards that make attack rolls should include a bonus to the roll that is equal to 2 plus the station CL. For example, on your CL8 battle station, that's an attack roll with a bonus of plus 10. So just to bring it back around, in a CL8 battle station, the ceiling-mounted automated turrets have an attack of 1d20 plus 10, and die such that they deal an average of 14 damage. I think that's like 3d8 without looking or something. Uh, um, oh, yeah, 3d8. Yeah. Which, by the way, is basically just a mook with a blaster rifle. Mind blown. Sam, we have a little more time here for this section. You, What did you think of the battle station encounter? Well, for reference for the listener, it was a underwater imperial base with uh stealth sections because we had to sneak our way in without being giving away that we were here right uh without giving away that we were rebels and without alerting you know the higher ups so that they flood you know flood us out and kill us all and you had an objective right we had an objective the objective was to save two scientists from the imperials well they were like kidnapped and then they were hired by the imperials but they wanted to leave and so in an attempt to protect his intellectual property one of the scientists set his engine that he was working on to self-destruct and <laughs> it was a very very uh <laughs> a scurry to say strongly recommend putting your players in a glass dome at the bottom of the ocean and giving them two turns to get out of it while pushing a uh <laughs> what i can only describe as a tank for another scientist who cannot yeah, move yeah. on his own <laughs> while while dealing with a sledgian in a, a cyanogen tank yeah. Oh my God. That was a incredible. I mean, we only used like half the battle station. I feel like we didn't actually yes. get to see the rest of it. That's correct. It was such a hurry and paired with an incredibly high level characters and electrocuting uh, the floor, electrifying the floor. Yeah. Those electric floor <laughs> traps were way more fun than I thought they'd be. And the fact it's that so you guys good. actually triggered the like worse effect of them, not just damage, but if you, you know, 
fail to maneuver through them correctly. You just straight up go prone. <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, really bad. But it was a great, and the whole idea like, oh, we need to get out of, what's great about an underwater or a secluded sort of battle station is that you can't just leave. No, there's gotta, can't just cut a hole in the wall. A, yeah, there's different ways that you have to, different steps you have to take before you can leave. <laughs> Or like, like, if example, for something in space, you got to activate the airlocks, make sure you're all suited up. Same thing underwater. You got to make sure the pressure doesn't kill you the second you walk out the front door. I enjoy that encounter because the, the battlefield, sorry, the battle station toolkit really gave me a great way, kind of an outline to organize the challenges I wanted the party to face. And it also took out the guesswork of like, does the party trip the security system? Did the security cameras see the party? is this trap activated or not? Like, is the station in high alert or not? These are things that you don't need a numerical system to help you keep track of. But I think the end result was really fun, really dynamic. Didn't go quite how I thought it would. And we all had a blast and it was a big, big challenge. Why I say that that encounter kind of served as a a good, like synthesis of everything we talk about with Swiss encounter design is that it had a mix of hazards, it had an objective, it wasn't just kill everyone. And it really combined like tight, challenging combat in a in a really unfamiliar and kind of unforgiving uh locale, which which all of these like made for a super interesting, super cinematic, very memorable, I think, in encounter, which honestly just a blast. I can't wait to use battle stations again. I mean, I'll never forget it. That was an incredible encounter and doing like, oh yeah, full round action to put on the, the, the deep pressure suit. And it's like, oh shit, do we even have a full round action available? I gotta, I have to put the, the Selegian whose poor uh, tank broke into a pressure suit by himself and yep. hope there's enough cyanogen in there so he doesn't die. <laughs> oh man. Oh, it was an incredible encounter. And I, and you know, I'm always happy to talk more about Zero Distance, and I know you oh, yeah. are as well. Oh, yeah. I'll talk about Zero Distance till I'm fucking dead. <laughs> well, that's all for Battle Stations this time. We'll cover more specifics about internal defenses, restricted access. There's a lot more specifics in Battle Station design and types of encounters that you can build that we want to go over next time. But we ran out of time on this episode, but stay tuned for Battle Stations Part 2 plus more next episode. Yeah, I mean, these sound like things you don't want to phone in. You want to explore yes. them fully and that way we get you know let them breathe a little bit uh, a mentor of mine once had an expression called hug the cactus where some things <laughs> battle stations are definitely one of those things where they are it may seem difficult and unwieldy to embrace at first but the more you hug the cactus of battle stations i think the more you stand to benefit what could the benefit be of hugging a cactus <laughs> you get a new friend let's send you guys to the break Steven. Huh? This is the break. Welcome to the break. Oh, oh, that's right. The show. Sorry. I was, yeah. I was, I was, you're busy not done my, yet. You're done when I say you're done. I was busy with my other pod and kids. I pull out the, the saga edition cattle prod, <laughs> not the saga cattle prod, not the stun baton one D six. Uh huh. And it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's half damage since you're biological, but it still hurts. <laughs> Steven, I have a special shout out for Jeff from the Rollmongers crew. Nice. Jeff found the, uh, I, I put out a hit for that, for the deep water map from the auction and Jeff found it. Oh, that's so great. You know, I saw this <laughs> and I, I honestly, so, so grateful for that. Thank you, Jeff. And it, it certainly looks like it, it's the one, I mean, maps, maps from this era have a very certain flavor to me, a very certain taste. Uh, and, and this one hits all the notes. So it's, this has got to be it, right? What's funnier is that it's uh, clearly like a Star Trek inspired map. <laughs> yeah, it's very like it doesn't look like how I imagined the ship at all. Like it was like, oh, yeah, this this ancient Sith ship from thousands of years ago. And it looks like the fucking like shuttle from TNG. That's Yeah, it's it's called the CSS Deepwater uh, ship. You can look it up. I found it on Google. CSS Deepwater RPG map is what I looked up. But we're going to include it in uh, with the auction episode. So it'll be in the link there. Very good. Thank you, Sam. This is also the part of the show where we say thank you for listening. Steven? Yeah. I mean, the show is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say it like you mean it. <laughs> yes. Thank you. The show <laughs> is entirely listener-supported. We depend heavily on listener contributions to stay on the air. 
The easiest way to support the show is to simply listen like you're doing already. And we are grateful for every single hit we get on the pod. Hundreds of people tune in every week and we honestly couldn't be more shocked and grateful for all the the love and, and goodness that comes our way. If you'd like to help keep the show on the air monetarily, you've got one great way to do that, and that's through our Patreon. Uh, there's a 5 and $10 tier. After three months of patronage, you get a sticker or a t-shirt and sticker, respectively, depending on which tier you go for. Patreon is also mostly a tip jar, but also grants you exclusive access to a couple different things, including an audio commentary track for the infamous movie Ewoks Caravan of Courage. Sorry, am I reading this right, Sam? Oh yeah, the the uh, the George Lucas grand slam of a film, Ewoks uh, Adventure, A Caravan of Courage. Are you telling me at one point the Star Wars cinematic universe was the original trilogy, two Ewoks movies that went direct <laughs> to TV, and an Ewok Saturday morning cartoon? And a Christmas special. And a Christmas special. <laughs> and the droids TV show. <laughs> no. Simpler Not times, good. right? Back when Star Wars was good. Yeah. Back, when Star- <laughs> Back when over 50% of Star Wars was good. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no. Oh, man. That's what That's I actually so agree funny. with. Steven, I'm, you know, we'll do this on the air. There is a little interest in the sandwich tier. Do you remember that, <laughs> that throwaway joke we made about a sandwich tier on the Patreon where we... Wait, no. What is it? <laughs> it was like... The idea of a tier where every month we put a picture of a sandwich we had that month on the Patreon and, oh. and with our review tied to it. <laughs> I could do that. I do a lot of sandwiches. You know, here's one for free. Today I had the, can you, can you like get censor in a funny way if I say the name of the sandwich? Cause it gives away where I live. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Today I had the star, which was a fried chicken sandwich with a ranch kale slaw, guacamole, and a and red onions, pickled onions, I think, Ooh. and a big old deep fried chicken breast. It was crispy. It was crunchy. It was amazing. It was served with homemade potato chips. Can we now wait a minute? I like this. Now I'm like sold 100 percent on the uh, sandwich. Yeah, I, on the I eat enough sandwiches where I could do this easily. We do a picture and then like maybe a five minute uh, you and me talking about your sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> or it I'm could done. be written out. It could be a written out review. But I also yeah. like the idea of just hearing you say it because it's. Oh man, that's great. Well, you know what? We'll throw that out there. We'll we'll dangle that in front of the listeners a little bit and see what they what they think. Cool. Sandwich tier. What kind of what would you title that? Be like uh, Hero. <laughs> we grant you the title of Hero. The Hero Club. <laughs> the Hero Club. Whoa! Holy shit. That's like fucking cap- capturing lightning in a bottle, Steven. Jesus Christ. Like, oof. Well, you know, keep an eye out on the Patreon for the Hero Club tier where Steven talks about a great sandwich. Alrighty. One last thing, you, uh, you maybe I can't afford the Hero Club tier, Stephen. Well, you can support the show by reviewing the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. It really means a lot to us to get those reviews in. Absolutely. I mean, we, and if you, you know, want to support the show other ways, you can tell your friends, tell your table, tell us you told your friends and your table about the show and we'll shout you out on the show, shout you all out on the show. If you tell your friends, table, family, mom, dad, grandmother, yeah, with the holidays coming up, you know, tell all your extended family members about your favorite podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no better Thanksgiving table conversation going askew. Change the subject to the Dark Times podcast, why don't you? Yeah, so um, <laughs> I, what do you think about skills against defenses? <laughs> yeah. Listen, Mom, I know you wanted to talk about the border, but I think we should talk about Little Literalist House Rules instead. Yeah. <laughs> Skill attack modifiers. <laughs> you know, Rondi Thompson had some good words about character design. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. Oh, man, that would be great. All right. Well, we've we've done enough break. Back to work, Stephen. Let's get back into those podcast minds. Put your gear back on. We're going back in for round two, baby. Let's send you guys out. Back to the show. My canary is dead. The canary in the podcast minds. Uh, the the Minoc in the, in the podcast minds. <laughs> Oh, man. Steven. What is it? We got an email from Zloy. Oh, I love emails from Zloy. Whoa there, Mr. Fucking Parasocial. Jesus. (laughs) Ironic. Oh, man. Hey, guys. Here's a stat block I whipped up for Johnny Raw. Johnny Raw is a human from Coruscant. He's dedicated to making sure... 
Recreational activities are played according to the rules as written. Oh, he has <laughs> this guy sounds like Duke Nukem to me. He has memorized and otherwise made himself familiar with many of the popular games played in the galaxy. His high knowledge, bureaucracy, plus 15, enables him to quote these rules verbatim when required <laughs> to correct those playing a game incorrectly. He can spot rule violations quite easily, <laughs> perception plus 15, even at a distance using his electro binoculars. Know Your Enemy allows him to determine what kind of rules and fractions are occurring, whether it's a simple error or the heresy of the house rules. Oh, no. Using Silver Tongue allows him to persuade those using house rules to mend their ways. An unwavering resolve helps keep him from being influenced to accept house rules instead of playing the game as they were intended to be played. Finally, if he's confronted and surrounded by militant house rulers, he will use Cornered along with his stun pistol to make them see the error of their ways and known dissident to prevent them from harming him. Wow, um... You know, I actually, I do have some thoughts, but I'll save it for the end. <laughs> uh, Johnny Raw is a CL4 medium non-heroic 5 noble 3. He speaks basic high galactic Nemoidian and Huddies to get all those games that people play. And I wanted to cover, you know, Zoy kind of went over everything there, but I wanted to highlight the ideologue talent tree from the Force Unleashed campaign guide. We've got Know Your Enemy. You are well-versed in the strengths and weaknesses of the enemies of your cause. As a swift action, you could select a single enemy within line of sight and make a knowledge galactic lore check against a DC equal to 15 plus the target CL. If the check is successful, you immediately learn any two, your choice, of the following pieces of information. Target's base attack bonus or attack bonus with a particular weapon, any one defense score, any one skill modifier, or the presence of any one talent or feat, you choose a talent or feat and the game master reveals whether or not it is present. That is the, first of all, the idea of being like, uh, do they have wealth? <laughs> do they have gambler? I need to know. <laughs> okay. I got to know if they have gambler. It's one of those things where it's like, what question? I mean, evasion is probably the one you would ask, right? Like, evasion is a good one to ask. Um, draw hmm. fire, maybe. Draw or, fire. It's, or stand, it's funny what's the other one? Stand tall, where if you hit them and everyone around them gets an attack. Perhaps fittingly, the, using this talent well requires knowing the game really well. <laughs> Just like Johnny Specifically the NPC. Yeah, just like Johnny <laughs> Raw. So like there's like several layers of like meta like fitting going on here with Johnny Raw, which is maybe you want to know if they have vehicular combat so that you can blast them with all your missiles you want. Like that's a great one. Uh force training. Force training. That's pretty good. Yeah. Know if they're yeah. force sensitivity. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> you you could just... wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. You could I, that works. That works, Johnny Raw. <laughs> You can you can determine force sensitivity with this with this talent. Weapon proficiency lightsabers. That's so funny to think about that you could you could suss out if someone's a Jedi. Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> do they have the force talent. sensitivity ta- like feet? And then oh, you'd have man. to say yes. That's so funny. That's so funny. Uh, it's also the prereq to known dissident, which is the other talent we're going to talk about. Can I read this one? Absolutely, Stephen. Go right ahead. Sure. The prerequisite to known dissident is know your enemy, which we just read at the top there. You are a well-known opponent of a large and influential government or organization, such as the Empire or the Corporate Sector Authority. Officials of any level are loath to take action against you lest they inadvertently promote your cause. As a standard action, hey, I, I this was me in a certain workplace once upon a time. <laughs> As a standard oh. action, you can make a persuasion check against the will defense of a single opponent with a line of sight that can hear and understand you. If the persuasion check succeeds... That opponent may not attack you or any vehicle you occupy until the start of your next turn. If the target is of a higher level than you, it gains a plus five bonus to its will defense, and the target must be able to hear and understand you. If the target is attacked, the effect of this talent ends. This is a mind-affecting effect. So if you're the getaway driver in your party's space transport, you can essentially guarantee that you get away from at least major one enemy. Damage. Yeah, from at least one enemy. <laughs> That's, um... You said it in a well. I'm glad you said that because that's definitely the better way to do it. Yeah. Reading this talent, I was like, "Fucking misplaced loyalty is way better than this." <laughs> <laughs> just being like, "Target my friend instead of me," and then it applies to everyone in line of sight instead of just one target. You know. I think the yeah, that's true. I, but I think the biggest value of this comes from the and vehicles you occupy. One. Absolutely, absolutely. In the right situation, this this is, is this protects score. everybody, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. I mean, you would use it on the closest turret or the closest fighter. You Absolutely. Know? That's, Absolutely. That's such a good idea. That's so Does what it a say good. Target one. Yeah. Single opponent. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. Pretty great. 
Uh, also in his possession, the Johnny Raw has a stun pistol, a snap baton, a bracer computer, presumably to look up rules on. Oh, no, he's got them all memorized. He doesn't need that. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Maybe to look up where the nearest gaming hall is. A code <laughs> cylinder, an encrypted comm link, a concealed holster, a credit chip, mesh tape, and electro binoculars. I guess mesh tape's just good to have. Just we love it. Mesh tape is so good to have. If your character does not have mesh tape, please go get some right now. You have an empty slot on your utility belt for it, and it is by far one of the most useful items in the game. This okay, listen. This RPG was made at the t- at the height of like duct tape is like the force. It has a light and a dark side style what? humor. What the hell? No, no, no. This game was released at the. I was there. I like. I remember. It was the. Of course, peak. I know him. It's me. It was the peak of that shit being printed endlessly on mugs, like sassy graphics t like graphic t shirts, like the you know the pre stressed ones you get at Coles and shit. Like no. The mesh tape in this game is from a different era of a public consciousness surrounding duct tape. Go spend like the 40 credits on a roll of mesh tape right now. There's a droid accessory for a built-in mesh tape dispenser. Is mesh tape the S-tier item in Saga Edition? That's, that's it is. The, the it's up there title. with fucking fire extinguisher and electro binoculars. <laughs> and the camouflage poncho. And the goo dispenser. whatever. The, yeah, and the, and the camouflage poncho. I, I, my, my only note about Johnny Raw, no icosahedron for gaming, no gaming yeah. icosahedron. Like what the Big hell? F. It's not, he's not bring your own uh, dice. He has to fucking use the house dice. That's that no one uses the house dice. Oh God. The house dice deserve it. Fucking belong in jail. Yeah. <laughs> dice jail. Zloy, it takes a very keen eye and shrewd mind to make a long running extended joke as a stat block. Uh, you should be proud because this is very fucking funny. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks again for another stellar contribution on the show. Folks, if you're out there, if you're considering sending something in, you're like, oh, my things aren't as good as others. <laughs> no, The Dark Times is not just a show, but it is a platform for creativity and enthusiasm in Star Wars Saga Edition. If you've got something you're excited to share with others, please send it our way. We're happy to have it. Darktimesosi at gmail.com. You might inspire someone else to... Send something that of their own. You will inspire someone. Absolutely, else. I would put this up there with my knock man. This is my knock man. My knock man was was a pretty big hit, though. I don't think that wasn't us. That was not. That wasn't us. Original. That wasn't us. Nor was that anyone listening to the show. That was no. My it's knock just man one of predates, those. Yeah, it's a pretty good. You know, this is one of those of all time background NPCs you could bring yes. back again and again. Absolutely. I'm Johnny Law. I mean, I'm Johnny Raw. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> He's got like a cowboy hat in my mind. I don't know if that's. Does he just look like Duke Nukem to you? Is that what? <laughs> He's basically as Duke Nukem to me, I guess. I don't know. I'm thinking the... like <laughs> normal sunglasses and everything. I'm here to interrupt you at the table and chew bubble gum. And I'm all out of gum. <laughs> he put, he pushes rules lawyers into lockers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. Johnny Raw. Uh Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? The handheld device that Sabine Red plugs into the droid's head in the hospital scene is an old retro games console called the Galaxy Invader CGL from 1978. For filming, she holds it upside down. It did look like one of those. Now that I think I thought about it was it. a little too specific. I was like, wow, this prop is really like specific, you know? Like this, this is a very detailed prop. Cool scene, cool fact. Uh, love to hear it. I had not heard of the Galaxy Invader CGL uh, from 1978, probably for that reason. Um, <laughs> when I read this trivia ahead of time, I didn't parse that it was something from the real world. And I was like, that's a weird, really specific Legends thing to mention, the Galaxy Invader <laughs> CGL. <laughs> and oh, folks, man. do not forget, the Assassin Bounty is still ongoing and entries are due Sunday, November 26th at 11.59 p.m. PST. The following episode that Wednesday, we will, of course, showcase every build we received and the patrons will get to vote on their favorite. Absolutely. Oh, uh, the builds must be level 12 with at least one level in the prestige class assassin. The rest is up to you. Make sure they're cunning. Make sure they're killing. Yeah, they don't have to be subtle, though. They can be as flamboyant and flashy as they want. We accept all builds here on the Dark Times. (laughs) Assassin inclusive. Yeah. Assassin owned and operated. <laughs> Assassin owned and operated. 
Oh, man. Way to end on a high one. The Dark Times, a Saga Edition podcast, is produced and edited by me, Sam. Steve is my co-host. You can reach out to us on Twitter at DarkTimesSWSE or email us DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com. Review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your show. Tell us one about the show. Tell your table about the show. Tell us you told your table about the show. And we'll shout you guys all out on the show. Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Good relations with the Wookiees I have. <laughs> Good relations with the Wookiees yeah. I have. This one of those sentences where any word in the sentence that you... <laughs> That you like put the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, what are you looking for? Look, when you put like lot. extra, extra like sauce on it, you know? Oh, emphasis, emphasis. That's the word, extra sauce. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those sentences where you put any emphasis on any word in the sentence and it changes the whole meaning of the sentence. <laughs> Good relations with the Wookiees I have. <laughs> Good, Good relations. Rel- <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Good relations with the Wookiees I have. <laughs> Good relations with the Wookiees I have. <laughs> Good night, everybody. So um yeah you know my my partner's from Japan right uh-huh their their uh, bachelor's degree is in international relations mhm so when when I when I told them the colloquialism of of relations like Yoda uses here um, <laughs> yeah that's totally what he means <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they got a real kick out of that or, or they oh, blocked oh, yeah. you on Bumble and then said never talk to me again <laughs> but you found your way back in <laughs> Zenith the Rizzler Sloth. God damn it. Oh, man. Good night, everybody. Beep. Say good night, Stephen. Oh, good night. Good. God, Jesus, man.